Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Welcome back, moms. Now we're in session two for Remember and Do Not Forget. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Through our five sessions, we're going to go back and forth between the Old Testament narrative and the New Testament narrative. Last time we looked at God's acts. And this time, we're going to look at the temptation of Christ. This is where I want you to see how Jesus responded and why remembering matters. It matters that we dare to remember. So we're going to take our passage today from Matthew. And in the book of Matthew, that's the first book of the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So Matthew is the theme of King, King Jesus. That's who Matthew proclaims. And if you'll skip over with me over to chapter four. So kind of interesting when we did our preview event, our teaser event for this, the night of real refreshment, we looked at John four, and now we're going to look at Matthew four. And here we're going to see 
when Jesus was tempted. But we have to do something very courageous here. We don't want to jump in into the middle of the story. So we're going to back up to Matthew chapter 3 and see what we can see there. We need to know what happened immediately before Jesus was tempted to really get the full context of his temptation. And moms, I really want you to pay attention to this. Again, let's not read over this. Let's sit in it. Let's listen and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and to show us new things. I know that many of you were brought up in churches and you've gone to church your whole life. You've read through this book many times. God bless you. And I know that he has as you've done that. Some of you, however, are new to the faith and new to Jesus. And maybe you're still learning your way around this book. Keep at it. Don't give up. It's worth it. So we want to make sure that we contextualize this story over and over as we study God's word. It's so important that we don't cherry pick. What I mean is we don't pick a verse out of its context so that we can make it say what we want it to say. It's so important that we put these stories in context. And so that's what I want to do now. Before we look at the temptation, let's look at what happened just before. And I think you'll find this really interesting. And I think it's something that is often overlooked. At the end of Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Well, let's even go back to the beginning of chapter 3. What we have at the beginning of chapter 3 is John the Baptist proclaiming the way of the Lord. Okay. So this is huge. John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Christ. He was the one that Isaiah prophesied about in the Old Testament. So hang with me. I'm not going to lose you. I promise. Just dig your heels in. Hang with me. You got this. In Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied that there would be one who would come and prepare the way of the Lord. And that was John the Baptist. And we meet John the Baptist doing just that, proclaiming the way of the Lord. And he was baptizing a baptism of repentance, right, at the Jordan River. And and John was kind of a weird dude, okay? Another one of those themes throughout Scripture is the unusual characters that God chooses and weaves into his narrative. There's hope for you and for me. God doesn't need people cleaned up and perfect. No, he needs people sold out to him, willing to be teachable, willing to participate. That's what he's looking for above all else. Take heart. You don't need to worry about getting it all figured out so that God can use you. It's about him using you when you don't have it all figured out. So John the Baptist was kind of a weird person. He said, scripture tells us that he was dressed in camel's hair and he, he subsisted or subsisted or survived, I guess would be, on wild locusts and honey. That was his diet. So he was a weirdo. He was a strange man, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll remember, this is the same John the Baptist born miraculously to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was found to be barren. She and her husband, Zacharias, could not have any children. And yet... God heard her heart cry for a child and her, like Sarah in the Old Testament that we talked about last time, Elizabeth conceived in her old age and bore a child. And that, this is that child. This is John the Baptist, the child that Elizabeth conceived in her old age. Go back and read the story in in the account of Luke, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke. 
he tells this whole story. So read it there. And then we know that Elizabeth and Jesus' mother, Mary, the Virgin Mary, who was probably a young teenage girl, when the angel came and invited her to participate what he was going to do. And oh my goodness, it's another example, right? It was a ridiculous invitation. It was an outlandish offer, right? So Elizabeth couldn't have children. And yet the angel speaks to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a son. Whoa, wait, what? Yeah, you're going to have a son. So that was a miraculous conception, right? And then an angel comes to Mary, right? Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth are married, right? An angel comes to Mary and says, you are going to be the father, the mother of the Christ child. And she's like, how? I'm not married. Remember, she was betrothed. She was engaged to Joseph, but they weren't married. And scripture says clearly they had not come together. They were not married, not as man and wife. They had not become one flesh. And she's like, how can that be? And the angel explains. I love that the angel explained. I love the innocence and the beauty of Mary thinking. I don't get it. How? And that the angel would explain to her how that would happen. He says the spirit of the almighty will all overshadow you and you will conceive a child. In other words, you're going to be the mother and God will be the father. And so Mary is found to be with child and she wants to go visit Elizabeth, her cousin. So beautiful point here. Often we miss, miss this. Mary and Elizabeth, the mothers of respectively John the Baptist and Jesus, the son of God, were relatives. And it's such a beautiful thing that God allowed them this time of fellowship. In fact, when Mary goes to see Elizabeth, she really is kind of, getting a a few days in the country, right? She needs to get out of town, right? She's overwhelmed by what's happened to her. Have you ever been overwhelmed by what's happening to you? Have you ever just been like, I got to get away? I mean, this is a lot. Some of you have started homeschooling for the first time this year. Some of you have dared to step out and have more kids, right? And you're just like, oh, I got to get away. I got to, I got to get back to a place of peace, a place where it's safe for me to to really revisit what I know is what God asked me to do. And I really believe that that was Mary when she went to see Elizabeth. And my goodness, God confirmed what he had done and called on her life. It says that when she went and saw Elizabeth, Elizabeth's child leapt in her womb. John the Baptist recognized the mother of the Christ child while he was still in his own mother's womb. This is that John the Baptist, that John the Baptist. So another thing that's interesting to know about John the Baptist is John the Baptist is actually the last Old Testament prophet tucked in the New Testament, right? And he had the same message that all the Old Testament prophets had. It's a two-pronged message. You can't forget it. It's very simple and it's very confrontational. And yet it is fascinating to me that it says all of Jerusalem was coming out to the Jordan River. They were risking life and limb. They were going into the wilderness, scorpions, serpents, wilderness, no food, no provisions, right? No food trucks were out there on the sidelines where John the Baptist was, right? No Starbucks drive throughs no fast food, none of that, right? They were leaving the comforts of town, right? And they were going out 
to the wilderness to listen to the words of John the Baptist because there was something about what he was saying that rung true to their spirit. It rung true to their spirit. See, I think that we are in danger of having that even yet today in the comfort of our churches that have compromised and watered down the gospel so far. Does not your soul long to hear the truth? The uncompromised truth of the gospel message that's what I believe these people were longing for. And they came out in droves to listen to John the message, John the Baptist. And this was his message, repent, repent. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Look, that's a message that a lot of pulpits don't want to discuss or talk about. But that is the core of the issue. We must repent. We must repent. John says, repent for the... The day of the Lord is at hand and you and I must repent. We must repent. And then he held forth hope, right? The same two prong message of the Old Testament prophets. Repent, there is hope. Repent, there is hope. Repent, there is hope. That was the message of John the Baptist. And so some of the religious leaders also got curious and they started coming out. They started wondering, why are the people going out and who is this guy and what is he saying? I'll let you read how John the Baptist responded to the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, and the lawyers. It was not a pretty scene. And we see in this confrontation between John the Baptist and these leaders that he had courage. He was bold in his proclamation of the message. So one day, as John is preaching, Jesus comes. And it's a beautiful response that John makes. He looks at Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, not sins, sin meaning whole, all, complete, the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John not only preached a message of repentance, not only did he hold forth hope, but he also recognized and proclaimed who Jesus Christ was. It's an interesting thing, actually, because here's the deal. John had a following. John had people coming out to him. John knew what it was like to have a platform. John knew what it was like to have an audience. And that's no small thing. And yet, when Jesus came, he very clearly announced Jesus to be the one. He was not the one. We see an amazing amount of humility in the person of John the Baptist. 
though people came to him and asked if he was the one, the anointed one, the one of God, the Messiah, the one for whom they'd been waiting. John goes, no, no, not me. It's not me. He could have easily said yes, but he didn't. And I would suggest to you he didn't because he was a focused man. He was very clear on his calling and he was very clear on who he was not. He was not the Messiah. But on this day that Jesus comes, John recognizes him. They were relatives. But beyond being relatives, John recognized him as the son of God. And Jesus was coming to be baptized by John. And John's like, whoa, no way. I, no, I, I can't. I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. I cannot baptize you. And yet Jesus, and in my imagination, putting a hand on John's shoulder, right? He said, we must do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John acquiesces and actually baptizes Jesus. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this next thing. It's beautiful. Don't miss the next thing. In the moment that Jesus comes up out of the water, having been baptized by John, who again, has acknowledged him as the Lamb of God who takes away the, right, the sin of the world. He's baptizing, he's coming up, and we hear, read in Scripture, the end of Matthew. Look at this. Um, it's specifically in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 of Matthew. As he comes up out of the water, a dove descends, representing the Holy Spirit, and a voice speaks from heaven. This is my beloved son. John has just said this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's voice. John's words, right? And then a dove descends upon Jesus. And a voice from heaven. A voice from heaven says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, do you see it? Do you see it? Trinity. We have Trinity right here at the moment of Jesus' baptism. We have the Holy Spirit symbolizing a dove descending upon Jesus Christ. We have Emmanuel, God with us, the Son of God, God with skin on. And we have the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's, it's a beautiful moment, really. God's voice is affirming John's declaration, right? Not just to John, but everyone who was there affirming that what John had said, it's, tr it's true. This is the son of God. This is him. And this moment, this moment, this Trinitarian moment where we have God, the father voice, God, the son, Emmanuel, and God, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. This moment, this moment is for you and me to see. This marks the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's 30 now. We don't have a lot on his life before this. We have the whole temple thing when he was about 12, and you can look that up and read about that yourself. That's an amazing moment. But we don't have a lot of other information of his life before age of 30. But this is the marker right here. This is the beginning. So what happens? What happens next? Isn't that what you want to know? I mean, this is the highlight, right? 
This is the stake in the ground. This is the declaration of who Jesus is. This is it. This is the beginning. God said it. The Holy Spirit is here in the form of a dove. He's been baptized in front of this audience. What happens next? Well, look with me. Matthew 4, starting in verse 1. It says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Spirit? Into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. From this high moment, this obvious declaration, this affirmation about who Jesus is, the spirit, after that high moment, leads him into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Wow. Wow. See, this was necessary. It was necessary for the God-man to experience the temptations that you and I experience. And the writer of Hebrews says that he was tempted in all ways that you and I were tempted. So it had to be true. The the writer of Hebrews couldn't just say that that was true. It had to be true. And Matthew records it right here. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down what transpires. Matthew records the temptation of the Christ. And it says that Jesus is led into the wilderness. Think about that. Led after the baptism, led into the wilderness. The wilderness. What is the wilderness? The wilderness is characteristically, when I think of the wilderness, when you think of the wilderness, it's a lonely, desolate place, is it not? It's not a place of abundance. It's not a place of fellowship. It's a place of extreme loneliness where Everything just kind of sits on you. It, it's not recreative. It's not relaxing. It's the wilderness. It's a survival circumstance, right? And, and the Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before the devil came to tempt him. What does that tell us? It tells us that his human state was at its weakest. At its weakest. At its absolute weakest. He was tempted. Look, it gets ugly when I'm at my absolute weakest. When I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm hangry, and I'm tempted, man, that's hard. Those are hard moments. Those are super hard moments. And I cannot claim to have ever fasted for 40 days and 40 nights like Christ did. See, above and beyond the temptation that I have ever experienced, he was led into the wilderness. In other words, he didn't wander out. This was the will of God that he would go, that he would be tempted. And I believe, I believe that it was so that we would have the example, not only of his temptation, but how he resisted that temptation. Look at this with me. Three temptations. And all of them with the enemy begin with a little bitty tiny word that, again, we read over. Don't miss it. If. If. Three times. The devil said to the son of God, if, if, sort of tossing it out there. If you're who you say you are, if you're really who you say you are, if you, can you, you need to really feel the attitude of the enemy, at least at the first and second temptation. You gotta, you gotta get it. We've got cocky here. We've got arrogant here. 
And if you've ever studied the book of Job, right? Go back and study the book of Job where the it, where when Satan comes in to the presence of God, God says to Satan, have you considered Job? Yeah, go back and read it. And Job, the devil gets cocky in the situation with Job until the end of the story when Job proves himself faithful and God is shown faithful and mighty and good. And here again, we see a cocky Satan. We see him just flouncing, right? If you're who you say you are. If, if, if. But the thing I really want you to see here, Mom, the thing I really want you to latch on to is twofold. Number one, your Savior was tempted. He was tempted. He was tempted as a man, his man, as a man. He was the God man. He was 100% man and 100% God. And he was hungry and he was tired and he was lonely. And Satan came and started tempting him. So what did he do? Mom, when you're at your most vulnerable and you're facing those temptations, not something that's not a big deal to you, right? For some of you, you're like, bag of potato chips, not a big deal. Television show, not a big deal. Something else, not a big deal. But this is a big deal. Whatever your big deal is, imagine that at the end of 40 days and nights and you're really, really hungry. How do you deal with it? See, this is our book of how to. God shows us how to live in this book and he shows us in this example how to respond when we're tempted, number one, I'm going to tell you this. We need to identify that this is the enemy of our souls. This is Satan. This is the devil. This is the fallen angel. This is the one who seeks to deceive and pick us off. He is the father of lies. There is nothing good that he wants for you or for me. He wants us to be as miserable as he is. That's all there is to it. And he will stop at nothing, at nothing to pick you off. To pick off your, your husband, to pick off your marriage, to pick off your children, to discourage you, to depress you, to overcome you. He will try everything. It's not your imagination. So what? What do we do? What do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We spend time meditating on God's word. Psalm 119, 111 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that is what we see right here in Jesus's response. One, two, three. He quotes from what book of the Bible? Deuteronomy. One, two, three. Satan says, if Jesus says God's word. Satan says, if. Jesus quotes God's word. Satan says, if Jesus quotes God's word. See, when those doubts come into your mind, when those troubling thoughts, when those temptations come across your mind, oh, that we would have meditated and marinated in the truth of God's word such that we can take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That we can have a word of the Lord to say in response, Mom, I'm going to ask you, are you meditating and memorizing and marinating in God's word such that when temptation is floated, and you'll notice, I didn't say if. I didn't say if. I said when temptation is floated, 
by the enemy through your mind in your day, when it crosses your path, are you prepared? Because that's what we see here in the life of Jesus Christ. We see that the son of God was prepared. He was prepared with the knowledge of God's word so that when the enemy came to tempt him, when the enemy came to sow seeds of doubt, when the enemy came to try to pick him off, Jesus wielded his sword of the spirit and cut through with the truth of God's word. That's what we're charged to do, mom. We are charged to make sure that we are preparing ourselves by spending time in God's word when temptation arises. So I want to ask you, what temptations are arising? Can you dare to be honest enough? Would you dare to journal about the temptations that you're facing, the frustrations, the things that are overwhelming you, all of those things? Would you dare to lay it out before God? And would you dare to seek in his word responses, biblical truth in response to that? Your visual aid for this session this afternoon is a tassel. I love these. You can get these. And I clipped this one onto my purse, actually. And tassels in the Old Testament were tools of remembrance. They were a way God instructed his people to make tassels and to put them on their garments. So they would what? Zakar. Zakar. So that they would remember. Moms, as we remember what God has done and who he is, as we spend time in his word, we can, we will respond to temptation and drive the enemy away. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.